the Truth News Network. A lone voice cries out in the night for an end to the lies, for an end to the deceptions, for an end to the corruption, for an end to the cancel culture that destroys wantonly all that oppose it. Where do you find that voice? (laughs) Right here. His name is Dan Newman. Good morning, all you folks. Welcome to a brand new week, and I'm Dan Newman. I welcome you to TNN Live, a production of Truth News Network, and we're glad you chose to be here today. So we have, if you're brand new, we have started in this new year a new element to our TNN Live shows. You know, it's early in the morning for many of you. I mean, on the West Coast, 7 o'clock right now. You're trying to get cranking, trying to get going. And so we added something that uh, just gives you a little extra time to kind of warm up to the day. You know, we all like good music. And there's very little music greater than Motown, especially with Michael McDonald. Remember Michael, that deep voice? Hit the world with that Doobie Brothers group. And then he did this Motown. I'm gonna do all the things for you A girl wants a man to do Oh baby I'll sacrifice for you I'll even do wrong for you Oh baby
original version of that song, I'm Gonna Make You Love Me, didn't quite sound like Michael McDonald's version. Tell you a funny story. He's uh, he's a great keyboard guy. He made the Doobie Brothers. They'd been out for a few years, but they kind of wandered around, got lost in that uh, 70s and early 80s rock and roll stuff. And they were looking for a little help. So they found Michael McDonald with that deep voice, and uh, he joined him with his great keyboard play, his lead singing. He just took him to the next level. I got to talk to him one time. One time. He happened to be on a uh, DC talk show in the middle of the day, and I just happened to catch it, and they were taking call-ins. And so I called in, and I told him, I said, uh, hey, I just want to thank you for your great expertise on the keyboard, your throaty vocals, and thank you for saving the Doobie Brothers. And I just want to tell you this one thing. My wife told me if there was anybody on the planet she would leave me for, it was you. And I shut up, and he was speechless. He did not know what to say. And finally, uh, the show host said, what do you think about that, Michael? And Michael said, well, I guess that's a great compliment. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, he still does great stuff. Anytime you hear somebody with background vocals and you hear that deep, throaty voice back there. You know, it's Michael McDonald. Does that have anything to do with TNN Live today? No, but I love great music. I love great harmony, and I like Michael McDonald. So I thought maybe you'd want to share in this morning for a little bit of that. Well, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Well, if it was not so good and maybe not up to par for you, just remember you only got 51 more weeks to go in the year 2023. And at least you're you're on the right side of the dirt today, huh? Things could be worse. Well, the world didn't stop turning over the weekend. The political world didn't stop turning over the weekend. Much to speak about today. Much to wade into about today, and we're going to get right to it. Let's go down to the southern border. You know, something our president wouldn't do for a long, 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 long time. And why don't we do this? I've got a bunch of things I want to drop in on you, but before we start making the circuit, let me just back up a few days. You know, last week, And the plans for Biden, out of the clear blue, just decided, hey, I'm going to go down to the southern border. And then it came out, well, I'm going to go to El Paso. Why El Paso? Have a Democrat mayor there, and maybe he'll go light on me. I know the president didn't say that. But that was on the back of his mind. So when he got to El Paso, El Paso when he got there on Sunday, looked nothing like El Paso had been looking for the previous months. On Tuesday and Wednesday of last week, law enforcement teams in El Paso, they went through the downtown area. They picked up migrants who had entered the country illegally, were sleeping on the streets, living on the streets. And so Biden got a view of the border, but he didn't get a view of the crisis there, and there are a bunch of infuriated border agents who wanted him to see the scale of the chaos that was going on, especially the chaos a month ago. 
It's a dog and pony show. That was a volunteer that helped dozens of migrants that were seeking shelter at the Sacred Heart Church in El Paso. They cleaned it all up for him. Officials said, listen to this. They're just enforcing the rules and that any timing with the president's visit, ah, oh, that's just coincidence. <laughs> but a day before Joe got there, the scene could not be more different to the chaos of late December. Migrant numbers surged then as those coming over the border timed their journeys to coincide with the expected end of Title 42, that Trump-era restriction that eventually won a stay of execution at the Supreme Court. Then, I don't quite understand how this happened, but hundreds of mainly Venezuelan refugees camped out along the sidewalks around the Greyhound bus station in downtown El Paso. Now their bundles of clothes and belongings are gone because border agents move through the area during the week, getting ready for the president. Only a few dozen migrants remain on the sidewalk around the Sacred Heart Church on Saturday. Illegal arrivals say they are protected by the church's sanctuary status so long as they don't step off the curb. Brandon Judd, you see him a lot on Fox News. He's the president of the National Border Patrol Council. He said his 18,000 members had been waiting two years for the president to come and see what they had to deal with every day. He said the White House knew what it was doing with the January visit. The number of daily encounters had dropped from about 7,500 a couple of weeks ago down to about 3,300 now, which is seasonal and it happens this way every year. Biden had all those numbers. He knew all the trends. He knows when the best time to come to the border is. And he knows that the beginning of January is absolutely the best time. So guess where he went? Yeah, I know he went to El Paso. But where do you think he went? He went to the border wall. (laughs) His first photo setup was taking pictures at the border wall. Not Obama's border wall, not Biden's border wall, but Donald Trump's border wall. Remember, he ran in 2020 on a promise not to build another foot of Trump's border project, and that was even after Democrats refused to fund it in 2019 and claimed it was motivated by racism and the desire to keep brown or black people out. Well, as soon as he took office, he halted construction of the high-bollard fencing that Trump had been building down there, though the Biden administration later quietly filled in some gaps that had been left behind. Now, why would they do that? Well, probably because those gaps were letting illegals through and Joe and them were pulling out their hair because they knew they're going to get busted at some point about it and they just kind of want to slow it down a little bit if they can. But thousands of migrants pouring across the border every day, millions entering the U.S., mostly illegally since he took office. He was under pressure to visit the border for the first time in a half century of politics, his half-century. He chose to tweet an image of himself walking along 
the border wall from the official presidential account. And he's flanked on both sides by Border Patrol officers walking along the fist, his fence. He's got his hands in his pockets like, ah, it's just another casual day in El Paso. And by the way, that's one of the most secure points on the entire border. I've been right there. Interstate 10 runs right down the the bottom part of downtown El Paso. And on one side of the, and we're talking about in town, on one side of the interstate, I-10, there's this border wall, the Trump border wall, and right on the other side of it is the University of El Paso's football stadium. I've been in that stadium for a football game, announcing a college football game, and all of a sudden we heard chirp, chirp, chirp from across the border, and it was gunfire from Juarez, which is right there, shooting into the stadium. We had to run for cover. They stopped everything for a little bit, and that was 10 years ago. There was a Another irony in Biden using the Border Patrol agents as props in that photo, he's refused to apologize for claiming falsely that agents were using whips to beat Haitian migrants in the El Paso sector. And of course, they were later exonerated. Biden had never been to the border before, despite false White House claims to the contrary. He was once in a motorcade that drove near the border, also in El Paso, during the 08 presidential campaign for just a few miles. So, according to the White House, according to White House spokesman John Kirby, Americans, you and me, are obliged to help bring more foreigners into our society. We're obliged to. Here's what he said. You can't forget that. We do as a nation of immigrants have an obligation to provide better tools and pathways for them to come in. The nation of immigrants, it's a narrative that was invented in the 1950s by advocates for more migration. Biden and his deputies are pushing that claim to justify their mass importation of more and more and more illegals above the limits set by Congress. Now, let me just stop right there. I don't give a rip about somebody saying we are a nation of immigrants. We're not today. Originally, we were. Everybody that came here, except the Native Americans, everybody that came here were immigrants. But the large majority of America is people that are born here. That means we're not migrants. Nevertheless, I go back to this one thing. I tell you what, before we do a roundup, I want you to hear what the media roundup had to say about Biden's reception when he got to El Paso. Let's talk about this. I want to bring in former acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf. You and I have been perched since before last hour watching the president. What is your first take on his first words as president at the border with Mexico? Well, I thought overall, Harris, the 
speech was a little, a little confusing. It was meandering and in places contradictory. It was clear that the president really wasn't sure what he was talking about. He talked about a number of different programs uh, that weren't accurate. He talked about gang violence in Central America as a basis to claim asylum. That's not true under U.S. law. Uh, I think that's important. He talked about continuing to process more illegal aliens into the country instead of actually solving the problem. He talked about parole uh, in the Venezuelan program that started back in October. And yes, we may see fewer Venezuelans at the border, but guess what? The numbers continue to increase month after month after month. It's just different populations. And so applying this parole program, which I would say is, is not lawful uh, to other populations, is still not going to solve the problem at the end of the day. And then, of course, he concluded with Title IV. Yes. This is an authority that he has said he doesn't like, that they are fighting in, in front of the Supreme Court, yet he's going to extend Title 42. Um, so it's very unclear what the strategy is, what the long-term strategy is uh, for, for the border. I think that, that speech raised more questions uh, than answers. How could it not? He, he hasn't had eyes or hands on this situation on his own. And, and the two yeah. people that that he put in charge have been so woefully incompetent that it's it's almost laughable. And one of them he gave a setup to the uh, Homeland Secretary Mayorkas. Well, the, the you know everybody's waiting to talk to him. No, I, I don't think anybody is. And the Vice President Kamala Harris. I mean, yeah. what has she done as the border czar? What a mess. So you you extend Title 42, which he says he doesn't like. Did he tell us why he doesn't like it? Did he tell us what he'd like to see in its place? Does he know the difference between titles eight and nine? Well, no, I don't think he does. He again, I think what they what it shows you is that there is no comprehensive plan for that border. They do not have a border security strategy. They have a Title 42 strategy by his own admission will go away this year. So then what's the strategy after that? Why? I, I don't understand why they are now simply trying to come up with a strategy that they've known. They've been in this this problem for over 24 or about 24 months now. And yet this feels like a, uh, a solution here at the last minute that they've mm -hmm. come up with in trying to figure that out. And I, Harris, you know, he also mentioned Congress. And I've got to come back to this because this is a, a point that I think the viewers need to really understand. He keeps talking about Republicans or, or members of Congress won't help. What they are advocating for is amnesty. Uh, what he put forward at the beginning of his administration, of course, then he mentioned uh, Senator Sinema and Senator Tillis. They are talking about amnesty for three million people. Someone needs to explain to me and others on how amnesty equals border security. The two have nothing to do with one another, and yet they are conflating the issue and somehow trying to convince the American people that if you give amnesty to three million people who have been here for years and years and years, mm -hmm. that somehow that's going to stop 230,000 uh, people coming here every month. It, 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 it it's won't. disingenuous. It's dishonest. And I, I get fired up over that because it's not, it's not going to solve the issue. Well, it's reflexively what a politician would do, point the finger to the other side. The problem is that the finger needs to go right in, in his own chest. I mean, it yeah. feels like 24 months ago, because it was 24 months ago that he flipped the switch on Trump-era policies. Yeah. And look, no one is saying that they were perfect and that they were solving every problem. But we have so many more people in this country that we would have to hand amnesty to at some point because the floodgates have been open for those two years. 
Well, that's exactly right. You can talk about all these different programs that they're looking at, or you can actually just go back to what works. And obviously there's a number of programs that we put in place during the Trump administration, but we also built on programs from previous administrations that also worked. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can just go back to what actually works. And then to talk about this parole program, it's interesting because when you parole individuals <laughs> into the country, you are not actually adjudicating any type of asylum claim. You are actually admitting that they have no basis for asylum, so therefore you have to parole mm. them in. Otherwise, they would go through the asylum system and they would uh, grant their, their protections through that, through that process. So the Biden administration is admitting that these groups of individuals, whether it's Venezuelans, right. Cubans, Haitians, uh, have no basis for asylum, so therefore they have to parole them into the U.S. It's just, it's not a, a, an honest conversation with the American people. I, I feel like they're trying to hide the ball in, in many they circumstances are. here. You feel that way because they are. That, that, is, that is a sleight yeah. of hand that, that you've just caught in mid-game. Uh, and it doesn't solve any of our problems when you stand at the border and you know this, Chad. When you stand okay, there right. and you see our men and women pulling little ones, families out of the water because that current is so vicious on the Rio Grande and some of them don't make it, how does anything that the president say, said today address any of that? And then our guys taking their own lives, committing suicide with the Border Patrol because it's all too much. Didn't hear that either. Yeah. Chad Wolf, so well, great to get, to get started with you this hour of Outnumbered. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. There you go, folks. It's different when you have your feet on the ground and you honestly take a look at a situation. And that's what I want to tell you about in my just roundup of uh, Joe Biden's southern border stuff. We talk about it every day. We talk about Alejandro Mayorkas and what all he has to say and the stuff that he has to say. It's just, it's just out in left field. Nothing they can say in Washington, D.C. No claims, no finger-pointing, uh, no assertions, nothing can take the place of the one thing that everyone in this administration and any presidential administration must do is enforce the existing laws of the nation. They each promise they're going to do that. Joe Biden, when he put his hand on the Bible, he promised to protect and defend the Constitution, the laws of the land, and to protect the people that live here. That's fundamental. Any expert, it doesn't have to be a politician, any expert on international law will tell you if you don't have a nation of laws and you don't enforce the laws that you have, you will not have a nation. It won't stand. The people won't trust the government. The people can't trust the government. Commercial industry, they're not going to be attracted to come into your country and build infrastructure and hire your, your citizens to go to work for them. Why? Because they're not safe. From the top to the bottom of the economic structure, the social structure of just plain living, if people don't feel safe where they live, you can't possibly create a successful government or a successful infrastructure there. Let me just point out the obvious. 
Why the heck do you believe all these people want to come here? It's because of leaders in their countries that are leading like our government people are leading now and wanting to lead us, which is the government top-down makes all the rules and everybody must listen to the government, the people that are in charge in whatever the presidential administration is. Forget about the legal structure of that nation. Forget about the laws that the legislature of that country that were put in place by voting. Forget about what they say. Just listen to the presidents because they're the ones that are endowed with the power to determine which laws to enforce, which laws to not enforce, and which laws the people must abide by, and which ones it doesn't matter. Does that sound eerily similar to what we now have in the nation under the Biden administration? You think about every department there is. I mean, we've got the legislative branch. They're kind of getting their eyes open now. You have the judiciary branch. Those are the people that the Biden folks despise because those are the people that will make the Biden administration adhere to the rule of law. They don't like that. And then you have the administrative state. It's not the administrative branch any longer. It's the administrative state. It includes every one of those agencies that we are finding out more and more every day. They're just blowing away with the laws of the land that they are supposed to be enforcing and finding the wrongdoers and bringing those wrongdoers to justice. Departments like the FBI, the Department of Justice, Homeland Security, ICE, all of these investigative agencies, even the CIA, the DNI, the Department of National Intelligence, all of them, they're in the tank for partisan political, uh, political leadership that is really not leadership, and it's certainly not in the plan that our forefathers put in place that our government is to be government of the people, government by the people, and government for the people. And that philosophy is enshrined in the Constitution and everybody in those agencies. And listen, it's time for us to stop saying, doing a disclaimer, everybody we want to have, every time we want to have a conversation about the FBI, this is the disclaimer. We all have been uh, kind of... We had to say it. I know that not everybody in the FBI is evil, but it's time we stop saying that. We don't know that. Let me ask you this. If you worked for a company, a company that was legally held to a set of regulations, things that they are supposed to do, things they cannot do. And you worked there, and every day when you went to work, you saw and heard them doing things that were flat illegal. Would you stay? If you stayed, would you not open your mouth to expose that? 
So I'm not, I'm not even using that disclaimer any longer. I'll, I'll just tell you this. Top to bottom, here's my default position. The FBI is, is illegal. It's gone rogue. CIA the same way. Homeland Security the same way. The Treasury Department the same way. They have gone woke. They have gone, um, I'm going to say authoritarian, and I almost said they've gone totalitarian. They're not there yet, but they would be fine with getting there. They look at the landscape of the nation and what's going on here. If you haven't heard one thing I've said today, hear this. When they see the economic horrors that millions of Americans are facing today, when they see companies that are scrambling, trying to find ways to keep things on their shelves if they're retail market people, uh, shore up their businesses if they're being looted. They look at those things those people are going through and they justify it. Why is that? It's all for the greater good of the transition of our former United States government into the panacea of authoritarian, extreme socialism, or totalitarianism light. I'm not joking. Many in the Democrat Party and leadership now are even saying so. They are ready to hand over the power and the authority for our entire health care system to the United Nations. I'm serious. For law enforcement, for our entire nation, to the United Nations under a united world government. They know it can't happen at one time and it can't happen overnight, but they justify all of these horrors that we see because we're part of today, they say, quietly, of a transition away from all of that structure, that capitalist structure that is so evil, that stands on the backs of the lower class American and immigrant. It's time to do away with that. We don't need that. We, the government, we can control these businesses. We can make them function and operate, and we can make it fair economically for everybody across the board. Wow, you're out on the edge today, aren't you? No, I'm not out on the edge. I've opened my eyes, and I watch it. You give me a better explanation. (laughs) Toll free. (laughs) 1-866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. Back after this. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1800 plus cities. 
Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. So, President Biden, he left El Paso yesterday afternoon after a very brief visit. That was his first, by the way, since he took office. In about four hours, he walked a stretch of the border, inspected a busy port of entry where border officers demonstrated how they search vehicles for drugs, money, and other contraband. Most critics chided him for not visiting areas that are most impacted by illegal border crossings. On Fox Report with John Scott, Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council, he said the president failed to visit the most problem-ridden areas. You can look across the ports of entry on the entire southwest border. That's not where we're seeing the illegal immigration. We're seeing the illegal immigration between the ports of entry. That's the Border Patrol. That's the components of CBP, Customs Border Patrol, that handles all of this. He didn't have any scheduled visits with them. Does any of that surprise you? It really doesn't surprise me. He lives by that mantra. Well, if you don't see it, if it's not in your face, if you don't have to face it, just come up with whatever, whatever explanation for it you want, or just... Just smooth it over. Act like it's not there. No leadership there. Absolutely. So as he got there, Republican Governor Greg Abbott hand-delivered a scathing letter to the president criticizing his border policies. We got a copy of it in the letter. Abbott slammed the president's visit as, quote, $20 billion too little and two years too late. And of course, he's talking from the perspective of the state of Texas. $20 billion. In his letter, Abbott slammed the president's visit as $20 billion too little, two years too late. 
He noted the president's tour avoided the areas where the mass illegal immigration occurs and sidesteps the thousands of angry Texas property owners whose lives have been destroyed by Borden's, uh, Biden's border policies. Even, even the city you visit, he's talking about El Paso, of course, has been sanitized of the migrant camps, which overran downtown El Paso because your administration wants to shield you from the chaos that Texans experience every day. Abbott wrote that, alleging the chaos was the direct result of the Biden administration failing to enforce federal immigration laws. The governor said the feds achieved historically low levels of illegal immigration under former President Trump. But under the Biden administration, Abbott said, America is suffering the worst illegal immigration in the history of our country. Your open border policies have emboldened the cartels who grow wealthy by trafficking deadly fentanyl and even human beings. Texans are paying an especially high price for your failure, sometimes with their very lives, as local leaders from your own party will tell you if given the chance. Abbott implored Biden to enforce federal immigration laws already on the books and to designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. And oh, by the way, in the wake of this, Alejandro Mayorkas, two days before the trip actually took place, Mayorkas, who's the Department of Homeland Security secretary, he is the most in the tank, break the law, bring in more illegals from every place on planet Earth and don't vet them. That's who he is. He said he believes that changes in the Biden administration's policies to turn more people away at the border under that Title VIII authority, it's going to decrease the flow of people at the Mexican border, help cut smuggling networks out of the process of migration, and disincentivize people from taking the dangerous journey to the border. He also said the plan has been in the works, listen to this, since September of 2021. The host of the show you appeared on, Steve Inskeep, asked, you're adding extra authority under a different law, Title Eight, that will turn more people away. Is that correct? Mayorkas responded, Steve, it is correct. And the reason is very straightforward that we want to incentivize people to take the safe and orderly pathways and disincentivize them to take the dangerous and the treacherous path of placing their lives in the hands of smugglers. We have got to cut the smuggling organizations out of this. Inskeep then asked, in about 10 seconds, should we expect to see the flow of people at the border decrease in months to come? Mayorkas answered, that is certainly our plan, and we've been working on it since September of 2021. Well, Mr. Secretary, 
I like the plan the Constitution lays out. I like the plan that the people's representatives, not you, not the president, but the legislatures of which Joe Biden was part of, when they built, they crafted, they debated, they screamed, they hollered at each other, found consensus of a whole slew of immigration laws that is the structure of immigration for the United States that has very successfully looked at one million immigrants a year, including last year, the year before, the year before that, for the last two decades, every year, one million people legally immigrate into the United States. On par with the rest of the world, if you rolled all of the numbers of every other country on the planet, you roll it all together, they don't collectively legally immigrate a million people a year, which is what we do and have been doing. So we're evil because we're not just opening our borders. Mr. Secretary, it makes no difference unless and until you adhere to your oath of office. Don't you dare preach to the American people who your egregious, illegal policies of not enforcing laws is released, you're breaking your oath of office, and every day you're suborning illegal aliens coming into the country. They're breaking the law, and by you allowing it, you're breaking the law as well. I got to be honest with you, it doesn't matter what we say about it. It doesn't matter who talks about it. It doesn't matter who raises their voices. They turn their back on it. Democrats don't even want to talk about it. Now, there are a bunch of representatives from those border states, southern part of uh, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. They are living in the middle of it, and their constituents are saying, you got to stop this. Look at Texas alone. Two years. 600,000 illegal acts taken against Texas citizens by illegals. And we need to stop calling them illegal immigrants. They're not immigrants. Immigrants are those that come into a nation legally, not just ours, but any nation on the planet. You're not an immigrant until you come through the immigration process. They're aliens. As a matter of fact, our federal law, the term that's used describing these people, is illegal aliens. Politically correct. It looks better. It sounds better. Yeah, all of the above. That makes no difference. Let me tell you what the biden Majorca southern border fix is. Here's what it is. I sprung a big leak in my bathtub. And it is just flooding my house. I've gone constantly with bucket after bucket after bucket draining that tub. But the water still keeps coming in. I don't know what to do. Uh, Did you bother to turn the water off? 
That, my friends, is the definition of insanity. That's the definition of this president and his thinking on border security. He doesn't think anything about border security. He doesn't want border security. He wants open borders. Why? Not because he thinks it's the best thing for everybody, because he wants to please the people that put him in the White House, that let him go there and live for four years. It made his lifelong dream come true. And he owes them. He voted against illegal immigration. You can't make this mess up. You just can't make it up. These people live in an altered universe. Now, here's my big question for you. How do Americans, any Americans, look at this and think it's okay? I mean, you look at the devastation along the southern border. You look at the crime statistics. You look at what's happening to these big cities across the nation where these illegals are being sent. I mean, it's adding to their criminality problems. It's adding to their homelessness problems. The Biden administration, they don't care. Why don't Americans, why don't other Americans, why don't every Americans get together and look at D.C., point our fingers and say enough is enough? You know why? The majority of Americans don't see this stuff. They don't hear this stuff. You know why? They don't listen to Fox News. They don't listen to Truth News Network and other podcast and streaming shows and even nighttime shows that talk about and reveal the egregious consequences of this administration's open border policies. They just don't do it. People don't see it. They look at you when you talk about it and their eyes glaze over. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see or hear any of that. So we're going to slip away from the border very quietly. That one hangs out there and it's hanging in the air above our heads every day. The only reason we weighed into it today was because of President Biden making a trip to the southern border. And so what else is happening? We have, as you know, a new legislature, a Republican-controlled majority in the United States House of Representatives. You know, making sausage, I've always heard, is very, very ugly, and you don't want to watch it being made because it's pretty gross and ugly. I can say that about the process of getting this 218th Congress in session and crafting laws for us. Congressman Mike Johnson is going to join us at some point this week. Talk to his assistant this morning. Of course, there's a bunch of stuff going on and he's going to break away. Uh, Make time to come visit with us to give us the lay of the land about what the legislature is doing right now and what's ahead in the next 60, 90 days. We're watching it for ourselves, but it's going to be tough going. There's a lot of stuff they have to get done, but remember this, no matter what passes in the House before it can ever become law, it's got to go to the Senate. The Senate has to approve it, where they have a 51-49 majority. 
So that means on any legislation, Mitch McConnell is going to have to pull a couple of Democrats over. Two problems there. Number one, Mitch McConnell probably is right now thinking more in the terms of what the Democrats want than what the Republicans want in the nation. And number two, he's operating in the quid pro quo mode almost universally. He doesn't support anything unless there's something in it for him. Seriously, if you go back and look at some of the legislation that he has supported in past, like that $1.7 trillion comprehensive omnibus bill they told us about, he supported it. Nobody knew what was in it after it was passed. Of course, every day we hear some new atrocity was buried in the fine print. Hundreds of billions of dollars. Just wasted. Wasted. Dunstan Teo is going to come back on with us this week, and he's going to talk to us about the FTX debacle and where all that money went. Almost every bit of the $100 billion plus that the United States has sent to Ukraine, almost every bit of it went as cryptocurrency. Why did they do that instead of just, you know, a unique bank transfer thing? Well, cryptocurrency, if you know the structure of it, if you want to be evil, a lot of drug smugglers, human strugglers, around the world have found that they can use cryptocurrency because it's untraceable, like bank money is. Now, there's good and bad about all of that. Of course, you know, you don't want anybody in the illegal drug business, certainly, and you don't want to support them by giving them an easy way to move their money around. But nevertheless, crypto, in its, in its form of structure, is the safest place for individuals to keep their money. Dunstan will be back with us often. Who's Dunstan Teo? He is the largest owner of Bitcoin in the world. He's a multi, multi, multi-billionaire. Um, he's founded three or four cryptocurrencies. Um, he's gone to war with his government. Singapore took $200 million of his money one day from a bank account that his company had. company had been in business a long, long time. And he found out how powerful the political world is over fiat money. Fiat money is what we have here right now. When you put a dollar in your bank account, it's not worth a dollar. It's only a dollar in name only. We all know. We hear and we just kind of made it part of our thing thinking, our thought process. That dollar, how much is it really worth? About 10 cents, about 8 cents. We really don't know, but we know it's not worth the $1 that the $1 was worth 10 years ago, 20 years ago. That's fiat currency. Cryptocurrency is equal to its face amount. If it's a legitimately founded and operated currency, FTX is not cryptocurrency. It was, FTX was a trading platform. In other words, if you were an investor 
and you wanted to use them, get help from them to find other crypto for you to buy and invest in, they opened you an account in their company, FTX, and you sent them your cryptocurrency from your wallet into their wallet. They were supposed to invest it wisely, and what they were doing was taking it and using it illegally, taking it themselves, in many cases, for personal use, giving it to others like, you know, campaign contributions in the billions, principally to Democrats. That's what FTX was. It's kind of like a, uh, a stock brokerage firm here. When you invest there, they tell you, they open you an account, and you see that deposited in your account. It's fiat money in your account, and they invest it for you in the guidelines and parameters that you set up with them. But you still have to trust they're going to do what they said, and you have to trust that they're not going to go get your money and do with it like FTX did with it. But they could do it, folks. They could go to jail for doing it, and millions have through generations. Just because you can't do it because it breaks the law? Well, you can do it if you want to break the law and deal with the consequences. Crypto, you can't do it. You can't access my crypto wallet unless I give it to you. The government can't access my cryptocurrency wallet unless I give it to you. And of course, every government on the planet wants to change that. Oh, we've got to regulate that. Look what happened. Look at all these people that lost money in FTX. That's because people gave their crypto to FTX to invest for them. They trusted FTX. There's a big difference there. Thought I'd throw that in for Lanyap today. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. I want to wade into the important parts of what happened over the weekend. Kevin McCarthy became House Speaker. I wasn't in his camp. I'm still not in his camp. I, I believe all the uh, regulations that he agreed to that were part of his being finally voted in, I think that will make things a lot more safer for true conservatives over the next two years. We won't know until we watch it happen. And we'll have Mike Johnson break it down for us, the things that happen. Just a few minutes, we're actually going to look at some of the restrictions that were part of the agreement that was put together for Kevin McCarthy to get those votes. But Chuck Todd faced the nation. Mr. I am a Democrat who knows everything that you should know, but you don't need to go find out about it for yourself. Just let me tell you about it. He had a Republican member of Congress on his show yesterday on Face the Nation. And this guy was one of those, one of the group that said, absolutely not, I'm not going to vote for Kevin McCarthy to represent me as Speaker of the House. And he crossed over. And Chuck just weighed into him. It's Republican Congressman Dan Bishop of North Carolina. After opposing Kevin McCarthy on 11 ballots, Bishop did flip his vote and started to support him on the 12th ballot after the deal that Chip Roy helped negotiate with Kevin McCarthy and Congressman Bishop. 
is here now. Welcome to Meet the Press, sir. Thank you, Chuck. <clears throat> Thank uh, you, Chuck. Glad to be with you. Let me start this. You were a holdout uh, for quite a long time. And in fact, you said we're going to hold Kevin McCarthy accountable to his promises after you decided to support him. What are those promises in the spirit of transparency? You guys wanted to do this in public. So tell me the deal in public that you agreed to. Well, there's no, no hesitancy about that. The terms are out, Chuck. Uh, Twenty courageous members of the House Republican Conference made sure that we've, quite contrary to your intro, nailed down a vision for the Republican majority so that we know what we're doing together. Uh, we have um, restored genuine parliamentary participation to the body rather than have it run in a Pelosi-style backroom uh, deal-making. We have uh, we've uh, agreed to specific and achievable fiscal commitments to prevent the Democrats from, from uh, winning every negotiation. And there are several other details, but the big one, or a big one for me, and that I worked on personally, we have nailed down in, in complete detail the terms of a select committee to investigate the weaponization of the federal government against Americans uh, and to make sure that it is sufficiently vested with authority to get the job done. Let me ask you this. Do you feel, in the words of Matt Gates, that Kevin McCarthy is in a straitjacket? Not in the not in the slightest. The, what we've done by doing the hard work up front, and again, this work began with proposals for rules changes that those of us who worked on this began back in July, and it took a long time before the dialogue could begin. But members throughout the conference have celebrated those provo uh, proposals for the in the main. Now you mentioned one, the motion to vacate the chair. You suggest that we demanded something new. No. That's been in the rules. That's been in parliamentary law in the United States for, since the country began until Pelosi eliminated it at the beginning of the last Congress. We simply uh, undid the, the trampling upon tradition in the House that Nancy Pelosi had engaged in. So uh, I, I just take a different view, okay. I think, Chuck, than you about whether this is good or bad. It's positive, not negative. It's not uh, right. weakening Kevin McCarthy. It's providing the speaker with the tools he needs for Republicans to go to the mat for yeah. the American people. Has it dawned on you you wouldn't have gotten any of this had Republicans won 10 or 15 more House seats in November? It has dawned on me, uh, that, and I think that's true. Uh, I think that's a good moment for introspection. People seem to believe, you know, Hakeem Jeffries in his speech that it was supposed to be introducing Kevin McCarthy that lasted about an hour, he celebrated the unanimity of the Democrats. Uh, President Xi likes unanimity in China as well. That's not the nature of American democracy, in my view. Uh, by having uh, an opportunity for uh, a group to raise questions and to make sure that we address them, we actually have advanced the ball. We're not going to be having very elemental disagreements pop up over and over across the, across the course of this Congress because we didn't get the job done ahead of time. We have. Now we're going to work for the American people. Do you accept the premise of of, of majority rule. And I say that because 91% of the House Republicans wanted to elect Kevin McCarthy as Speaker for three days. 9% of you were holding it back. 91 to 9. And I ask that because you guys have control of one-sixth, essentially, of, of, of government right now. If Democrats have majority in the Senate and Democrats have the White House, why shouldn't they 
uh, have the lion's share of, uh, of winning most negotiations. Do you do you believe, uh, Chuck, that by majority rule you mean that when uh, a majority has decided something or the plurality of a Republican conference, for example, the others should be told what to do? Is that what you're saying? You get a vote, and you vote no. But uh, but you know if if there are exactly. 218 members of, the, of Congress that want to raise the, the debt ceiling, you can object. But there might be 218 that want to raise the debt ceiling without uh, trying to. Uh, tank the, the government without doing these spending cuts, want to do it cleanly. Will you respect that? Oh, absolutely. If a majority decides to do something, that becomes the law. That's the, but the notion that people are going to be ordered what to do in order to get to that majority doesn't seem like the right play. play. If you're saying, on the other hand, should Republicans uh, turn to Democrats or uh, act as if Democrats are the majority and, and accede to their priorities for government, in the House, uh, no, that's that's exactly the opposite of what we should do. Republicans should make sure we fulfill our responsibilities to voters who elected a majority of Republicans. And I think what you've seen is that Democrats have shown greater will in previous times when right. we had divided government. That can't be the case. We've got to show will also on behalf of the voters that sent us to Washington to fight for them. You know, there were a, a lot of Republicans arguing what you were arguing on the campaign trail, and particularly in Senate races, but in many House races, they got rejected at the ballot box. Does the fact that voters rejected many members that share your point of view and uh, at all impact on, on the fact that, that, that maybe you just need to go out there and campaign more, that you can't sort of hold a, a chamber hostage because you're not getting your way? I think Democrats have gotten their way with great uh, success. And I don't think your read of the election is right, Chuck. I think what people were looking for is, they were, Republican voters in particular, is they were looking for, they wanted to be convinced that Republicans had conviction about what was sell, being sold to them. They were uncertain about that. Now, I also don't disagree that at the margin, people want to have uh, elected officials, they want their candidates, including Republican candidates, to exercise mature and reasoned judgment. But that doesn't mean to lie down and be rolled over by uh, Democrats, whether they're in the majority or the minority. And so my view is we've had an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to take a hard look mm -hmm. at each other in the Republican conference over the course of this past week. Folks in the media constantly said, oh, it's dysfunction and chaos. No, it was deciding the most important questions about how this Congress is going to proceed, and we accomplished an enormous amount. As one very sophisticated person in this area observed, this agreement we received is transformational for Congress, and uh, we're going to have a great and productive Congress. Bottom line, do you trust Kevin McCarthy or do you simply trust what you have seen on paper? I think Kevin McCarthy is an extraordinarily talented leader. He will, uh, in the, with, the, with all of this having been laid down, I'm confident that we're going to, in, under his leadership, accomplish a great deal for the American people. Congressman Dan Bishop, Republican in North Carolina, who was a McCarthy detractor for 12 ballots after negotiating a deal. He supported him. Appreciate you coming on and sharing your perspective with us. Thank you, sir. Isn't that what making a deal, crafting a deal, coming up with a bill and legislation? Well, it hasn't been happening that way under Nancy Pelosi. It's called regular order. Chuck Todd, who he acts like he is the expert on everything political, 
He just basically said, you're supposed to sit down, shut up, and just let those in the majority do what they want to do. After all, they're in the majority. I won't go through what the process, regular order, is, but it is what legislation is supposed to be about, where the people's representatives get around a room, they fuss, they fight, they argue, they try to make the other one believe like they do, they negotiate, and they come up with something that's good at the end of the day. None of that has been done. Did you know Nancy Pelosi wasn't sending anything out to committees? Legislation that is supposed to be looked at, torn apart, go through the committee, bring in witnesses, put some amendments out there to be considered, debate amendments, vote on the amendments, and then finally vote on legislation. And then it goes back to the speaker to put out on the full floor to be debated in full before anything's passed and even thought about being voted on. That's the way it's supposed to happen. That didn't happen under Nancy Pelosi. Not a time. Very few people understand that. Now, now, at least in the House of Representatives, we're going to have that. We'll be looking at it. We'll be watching, and we will be reporting to you on what legislation is out there. I will tell you this, those 80 plus thousand IRS agents that were funded under the Biden administration, that money is being taken away. At least that's one of the things on the schedule today in the House of Representatives. Much more ahead. Take a break for a second. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue. My heroes! M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Hey, every one of us, we know that former President Donald Trump has already thrown his hat in the ring for the election coming up in 2026. Um, have you heard much about that? I haven't. It's it's expected. In fact, it was kind of announced uh, over the weekend that it is expected that President Biden is going to formally throw his hat in the ring. <laughs> 
and it's expected he should do that sometime in the next week or so. That's interesting. I got to be honest with you. We're, we're, what, two years, a couple of months less than two years away from that. That's a lot of time. And I got to be honest with you. I really don't want to do the back and forth between those two heavyweights that can't stand each other. And the only reason I mentioned two heavyweights, Trump is a heavyweight. Biden, he's got the title as president. That, of course, makes him a political heavyweight. Have you wondered what Donald Trump is thinking, what's going through his mind? This came out over the weekend. Fentanyl, heroin, meth, and other lethal drugs are pouring across our wide-open border, stealing hundreds of thousands of beautiful American lives, and it's happening like never before in our history. Children are being left without parents. Families are being ripped apart. Communities are being decimated. Our neighbors and fellow citizens are having their entire worlds destroyed. Destroyed like nobody thought possible. Our country is being poisoned from within by the drugs and by all of the other crime that's taking place. The drug cartels are waging war in America, and it's now time for America to wage war on the cartels. In this war, Joe Biden has sided against the United States and with the cartels. They are making more money than they've ever made before, times 10. There's never been anything like it. They're major, major companies. They're bigger than even some of our biggest companies. Biden's open border policies are a deadly betrayal of our nation. When I am president, it will be the policy of the United States to take down the cartels, just as we took down ISIS and the ISIS caliphate, and just as, unlike the situation we're in today, we had a very, very strong border, the strongest border, in fact, in the history of our country. And drugs were at a low of 45 years. There's been nothing like what we did just two years ago. We will show no mercy on the cartels. Every day, drug traffickers are using the waters of our region to ship their lethal poisons to America, killing so many of our people and ruining families. In addition to restoring strong border security, I will deploy all necessary military assets, including the U.S. Navy, to impose the full naval embargo on the cartels. I did that before, and it worked. What we did was incredible. We will guarantee that the waters of the Western Hemisphere are not used to traffic illicit drugs to our country. Furthermore, I will order the Department of Defense to make appropriate use of special forces, cyber warfare, and other overt and covert actions to inflict maximum damage on cartel leadership, infrastructure, and operations. I will designate the major cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. We will sever their access to global financial systems. I will also work to forge an unprecedented partnership with neighboring governments in our region, just like I did in Mexico. And remember, in Mexico alone, an estimated 100,000 civilians have been tragically murdered or gone missing at the hands of these cartels. The Mexican government, run by a very fine man, the president, is really working hard, but it's not working out. These cartels are vicious, and they're violent, and they have Mexico for now stymied. 
Well, we have to help Mexico, and we have to stymie the cartels. Either we will get the full cooperation of other governments to stop this menace, or we will expose every bribe, every kickback, every payoff, and every bit of corruption that is allowing the cartels to preserve their brutal reign. And it is indeed brutal. Finally, as I have said before, I will ask Congress to pass legislation ensuring that drug smugglers and human traffickers receive the death penalty. The drug cartels and their allies in the Biden administration have the blood of countless millions on their hands. Millions and millions of families and people are being destroyed. When I'm back in the White House, the drug kingpins and vicious traffickers will never sleep soundly again. We did it once, and we did it better than anybody else. There's never been a better border than we had just two years ago. It was strong, it was powerful, and it was respected all over the world. And now we're laughed at all over the world. And we're not going to let that happen much longer. We have to take over. We have to be tough. We have to be smart. We have to be fair. But if we don't do something immediately, our country is gone. I got to be honest with you. When I heard that, that, that unofficially is an ad. Of course, it is uh, four and a half minutes long, which is a little bit too long to be an ad. But nevertheless, Trump put that out, and it amazed me. Trump never has done anything specifically what he does, but even more importantly, when he does it, unless it's done that way on purpose. And my question immediately when I heard this, what's that all about? Why now? And I don't have the answer. But I think what he was doing, now listen to what I'm going to tell you. Joe Biden, when he officially begins to campaign, and by the way, I made a mistake. I said the election for president was 2026. My producer quickly fired me a text saying it's 2024. I apologize. I know it's 2024, but I messed up. It's Monday. I can get a a pass on a Monday on something like that, I hope. But nevertheless, don't think for a second Biden going to the border now and where he went was not purposeful. He went down there to make a statement, basically with no substance behind it, but nevertheless, who was he speaking to? He was speaking to his Democrat audience, his followers. He was telling them, look, look, I'm down there. I understand what's going on. And I don't want any American to think that I don't, even though those MAGA people are telling you every day, you see them on Fox News, you see them on Newsmax, you see them on Breitbart News. They're lying about what's going on. We're helping these poor people that are living in these war-torn nations, and they just want to make a better life for them and their family members. All of this is purposeful, and I feel strongly that Trump knows if Biden's going to campaign for president in 2024, he's going to have to address this border thing, and he better do it quickly. Trump got out ahead of him. Trump got out and not only put the Biden administration in his campaign on notice, he put the drug cartels, 
on notice. Now, let me just say this. I have no information. What I'm about to tell you is purely opinion. But I strongly am convicted to believe that there is drug cartel money that's flowing across the United States into political pockets and campaigns. Why would you say that, Dan? I got to be honest with you. There's only two reasons. There's only two reasons that the person that has the power and authority already in hand to either keep the flow of migration going or to stop the flow of migration. And that's Joe Biden. Now, are you saying that the Biden campaign, the president, is getting money from these drug cartels? No, I'm not saying that at all, but I am telling you the love of money is the root of all evil. You tell me why. I told you there are two reasons, only two reasons for this flood to continue to be nurtured, in fact, encouraged by the president. Only two reasons. Money's one of them. What's the other one? Creating a permanent class of American people who are dependent on the government. And that's a process. It can't be done by just making one thing happen. It's a process of things that must be done. And the first one is you get these people in the United States, and from the moment they get here, they're dependent on the government almost totally. Yes, some of them will enter the free market system. Some of them will work. Out in the Southwest, they're really wanted out there. Why? Because these big agricultural companies that run the vegetable and and all of the things that we eat, they're grown in large part in California. On the other coast, in Florida. Florida, it's principally citrus. In California, it's every other thing that grows. It's expensive to maintain all of those farms, and it takes labor. And these big agricultural companies know they can hire these people for less than they're paying the people that are doing it now. Those big companies have been tied to presidential administrations for decades. Why is that? Because they need cheap labor. And they're going to get cheap labor from these illegals that get into the country. They're going to get cheap labor to make their bottom lines go up. In addition, when they do that, they're going to be displacing a lot of legal immigrants that are here and have been holding those jobs, but they'll get kicked to the curb because these companies are hiring. And this is not I'm not talking about hundreds. I'm not talking about thousands. I'm talking about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of jobs are online. They are on the line. And so the money is free-flowing into the political system to keep the door open. One, campaign money. 
and maybe personal money, I don't know. Number two, a permanent dependent class of voters because they, if the Democrats win, I don't care who it is, if they win the White House in 2024, you're going to see a strong push to legalize these people and get them to write the vote, get them that right, and then you will hear nonstop, you owe we Democrats your vote. Why? Because those evil MAGA Republicans did everything they could do to keep you out. It's already begun. Just keep that somewhere in the back of your mind. What's in the McCarthy deal? You know, they had to cut a deal. In fact, they did, McCarthy himself told us, we've, you know, we've talked, we've met, I've made concessions. We are going to offer them some things that are, that have been different from the previous administration. So there were, there were those 20 holdout Republicans and they made a deal. It created two special investigative panels. Now, what are they going to do? They're going to look into two of the most important issues to conservatives, the origins of the COVID-19 virus and the weaponization of federal law enforcement agencies like the DOJ and the FBI. Now, these are subcommittees, two subcommittees, one in the House Judiciary Committee, the other in the House Oversight Committee. How did we find out about it? They're identified in a draft summary document of the deal between McCarthy and those 20 lawmakers. It was confirmed by multiple sources who are familiar with the deal. The House is going to pass, and I haven't been looking in this morning. They may already have done this, a resolution establishing a select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government as a selective investigative subcommittee of the Committee on the Judiciary. It also establishes the Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic of the Committee on Oversight and Accountability. What's that committee going to do? Investigate, make findings, provide legislative recommendations on the origins of the coronavirus pandemic. Conservative lawmakers have been pressing for a committee modeled after the 1970s Church Committee in the Senate that identified abuses by the FBI and the CIA. Greg Stubbe, a Republican representative from Florida, he said over the weekend that McCarthy's support for this sprawling probe of the FBI and the DOJ has excited the GOP caucus. McCarthy said he's creating this Church Committee that's going to investigate the FBI and the DOJ and all these things that were going on, Stubbe said. It's illegal for a person in government to use their position to thwart speech for political purposes. And so we're going to go to the bottom of that. We're going to bring those people in, depose them, do the type of things that a good Republican Congress and Judiciary Committee do. And this other committee that Speaker McCarthy is going to be able to appoint would be able to do these things. So, I kind of like this. The focus of this weaponization subcommittee will be on the FBI's targeting of conservatives. Also, the treatment of parents as domestic terrorists. 
and the FBI's use of its powers they've already been using to pressure social media companies to censor any American's opinion. And you remember all these FBI whistleblowers we hear about that the Democrats keep pushing lower and lower? Nobody talks about them. They're not being interviewed in committees. Well, that committee is going to look at all of these allegations leveled by these FBI whistleblowers, many of whom have reached out to House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan. The COVID panel is going to look at the government's funding of -of gain-of-function research, the use of taxpayer bucks and relief programs to address the pandemic, the effectiveness of laws and regulations to address the COVID pandemic and prepare for future pandemics, the development of vaccines and treatments and the implementation of vaccine mandates for federal employees in the military. You know what's sad about all this? And there's a bunch more. But the saddest thing is, All of this stuff, if the government, if the legislative process had remained the way it was structured and even resigned, uh, revised, edited through the years and changed into make it better, make it operate better, make it function better, make it be fair, make it more comprehensive, when it works in regular order, which when a piece of legislation someone wants to put into consideration... It goes to the Speaker of the House. The Speaker then parses it out, that initial structure that they want to consider to become a bill. It goes to the various committees which it applies to. Those committees tear it apart. None of that's been done while Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House. None of it. None of it ever got to committee. Never went to committee. Never went to committee for consideration. Did you know that? All of the bills that came to the White House for Joe Biden to sign, none of them had been through the broken up committee process. They were all put together by hand-picked sycophants behind the scenes crafting that legislation. And who was in on that crafting? Nancy Pelosi a couple of other Democrat leaders in the Pelosi House of Representatives, Chuck Schumer in the Senate. They didn't bring any of the Republicans into that process. And then we never hear about it until like that $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that was passed. They got it at 4 o'clock on a Tuesday morning And they voted on it Thursday morning, 4,500 pages. Nobody that voted for it had seen it. Nobody had read it. They had looked at part of it, but you can't break apart a 4,500-page piece of proposed legislation and do it justice. And there were four more of those big bills. The, uh, The infrastructure bill was the same way. Everything Biden's put out there, it was crammed down the throats. And I'll go all the way back to Obamacare. That's the way they knew how to legislate. And that was what Nancy Pelosi said about Obamacare. She was asked, what's in the bill? 
This was at her news conference, and she kind of chuckled and said, well, we got to pass it before we can know what's in it. That's the leadership in this nation right now, folks. That's the way we've been operating. And who pays it? They don't care. They absolutely do not care that it hasn't been through regular order. They just know this. All those expenses, that all comes from you and me, the American taxpayer. Doesn't matter if they have it in the bank or not. They'll just borrow it knowing that you and I, we're going to push our representatives out there to let them raise the debt limit. (laughs) They don't care. And the, the way they get that done every time, how do they do it? What do they tell you? Oh, if, if, you, if we can't raise a debt limit, we can't operate the government. And all of those critical pieces of operations of the federal government will be gone. Things like care for veterans, things like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, those will all be gone. Military won't get paychecks. They scare Americans to death so much so that we stand behind them every time they say, we need a continuing resolution so that we can have money during this transition while we work on our budget with our counterparts across the aisle. That's what they tell us every December. And what happens? One of two things happens every time. We allow them to create and pass what's called the CR, a continuing resolution that gives them an uptick of the debt limit that's only good for like 30 or 45 days, that'll give them time to negotiate a budget. Yeah, right. That's way number one. Number two is they throw out a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that nobody's read, but it's full of pork and money that we don't have. We won't have it in 10 years. We won't have it in 50 years, but we borrowed it from somebody that we owe. That's the Pelosi-Schumer-Biden-Obama way of governing. You talk about, you want to talk about a balanced budget? Come on now, get real. Who in the United States thinks any Democrat government is is going to make any kind of honest push to balance the budget? What is balanced budget? What does that mean? It means... However much money comes in, that's what you can spend. Not a penny more. That's a balanced budget. We hadn't done that in years. It's not that we can't do it, but you know, last year, the year before, more taxpayer money came to the government than ever before. It goes up every year. Why is that? Because more Americans or being born, more Americans are entering the workplace, COVID's over, and there's just more profits being made. Americans, Joe Biden brags about it, income's going up, income's going up. They're not going up at the level that keeps up with his inflation, but they are going up. Taxes go up accordingly. So the government gets more money every year. In your world, what does that mean? Well, if you can keep your expenses flat and put that extra money in the bank, you've got money to invest, put on a new house, a new car, put on your kid's education, 
take a big vacation, whatever you want to do. That's not how our government people think. When there's more money there, that means next year they know there's going to be more, the year after there's going to be more. So why don't we do this? We know it's going to eventually come in. Instead of being honest to ourselves and our kids and our grandkids and that of our constituents that we supposedly represent, let's just come up with this wild spending deal throw a bunch of money out there to make people feel like we're working in their efforts so they'll vote for us and keep us in power and we'll just go to the bank and borrow whatever we don't have that comes in. We'll have it. We'll just borrow it. And our great, 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 great grandkids will be obligated to pay for it. That's the American philosophy right now with Democrats in power. I'm just saying That's the only way you can legitimize legitimize that. Listen to me talking. (laughs) James Posey said, they should be ashamed of yourselves. You're right, James, they should be. Everybody should be that doesn't do it by the book. The book, let's call the book the United States Constitution. Now, what do the other people in the House of Representatives think about Kevin McCarthy getting the gig becoming House Speaker, and this deal that he cut with those 20 hardcore holdouts will go to one, one in specific that I just was breathlessly waiting to hear her response. I'm talking about Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. (laughs) She said, it's a far-right insurrection. McCarthy just agreed to a deal with far-right insurrectionists that would hold the entire U.S. and global economy hostage to extreme cuts to everything from housing to education, health care, Social Security, and Medicare. She tweeted that that out hours before McCarthy was elected Speaker of the House in one of the longest voting cycles in our history. Hard to overstate how dangerous this is. Now, why would she say that and to whom was she speaking? First of all, you and I both know there's nothing out there that's been presented that shows in any way any piece of legislation that comes out by the Republicans is going to do that. They're not going to cut Medicare. They're not going to cut Social Security. They're not going to cut health care. They're not going to cut education or housing. She knows that. Who's she speaking to that might be impacted by her words? Who listens and follows Ilhan Omar? I mean, there are consensus in her district. She was reelected. Facts don't matter to them. They're going to feed whatever that is necessary to get the heart and minds in their favor from these people. Omar's tweet was widely criticized by conservatives on social media that disagreed with her contention that the deal between Republicans is dangerous. 
Democrats just pushed through a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. You're worried about spending more money already? That's from former Florida Republican House candidate Vic DeGramet Post. It sounds like that deal was needed. On Saturday afternoon, Omar posted another tweet that addressed the contentious House Speaker election process with the caption, the 118th Congress, and pictures of Republican Representative Mike Rogers being held back from confronting Republican Representative Matt Gates. The tweet also had a picture of Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia, Republican, holding a phone that showed a live conversation with former President Donald Trump. Omar Zarfler office, a bunch of different press outlets have reached out to her to get somebody in her office or her online formally. Nobody will respond. You know what I call that concept and people that do that? I mean, she, she, she basically made all kind of unfounded allegations. I call her a drive-by shooter and everything she's doing drive-by shooting. There's no substance. There's really nothing there that gives any kind of validity to any of that stuff that she said. But remember, she's speaking to a bunch of people that are hardcore leftists. They don't get their own information for themselves. They get it from people like Ilhan Omar, their representative. She's got their backs. That applies to millions of Americans that do not reason and think on their own. It's pretty pretty spooky. Hey, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, Biden's Department of Justice has attacked her family. She, her husband, and her kids. I'm not kidding. I'll give you the details of that next. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. 
Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the Truth News Network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman. I listened to the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, talk about the tremendous successes of the reduction of border crossings, illegal border crossings, by this president, how dramatic they have been. Ball face lies. I mean, I, I laughed when I heard them because her Customs and Border Patrol release all the numbers. Homeland Security releases all the numbers, and all the numbers say exactly opposite of what she said. Of course, she was on Air Force One on the trip down to El Paso with the president. So she's got to come up with something that sounds good. Why? Because everybody's covering that trip. Everybody. I I, I don't know about you, but I kind of wish Circleback would come back. And don't even think that's a racist or a bigoted statement. Yes, Jean Perry is black. She's also gay. She has a spouse and they've adopted twins. I understand all that. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the ineffective job of giving the American people the facts every day. It just gets tiring. Circleback was better than Jean-Pierre, but honestly, she wasn't a whole lot better. (laughs) I don't know. I guess basically you make a decision about which is worst. (laughs) Governor Christy Nome, she is PO'd in Southern vernacular. Our government leaked the social security numbers of her and her family members. This is unbelievable. And she's reached out. She's demanding answers on how federal agencies allowed her personal information to become public in the aftermath of record releases from the January 6th committee of all things, as well as how these agencies plan to combat the potential results of this leak. Quote, my lawyers have asked the White House, the U.S. National Archives, And Benny Thompson, he was the chairman of the January 6th committee, which of them is responsible for leaking the Social Security numbers of me, my husband, my three kids, and my son-in-law? Noam tweeted Friday evening following the leak of her and her loved one's private information. What specific measures and remedies are going to be taken to protect our identities? I can answer it for you, Governor. None. Zip. Nada. Because you're a Republican. The night before she took the oath of office for her second term as governor, 
Christy Nome learned that her Social Security number, those of her immediate family, were leaked by the January 6th committee. Among the hundreds of records that were posted online by the committee, laying out the timeline of the events leading up to the storming of the Capitol, was a spreadsheet with nearly 2,000 Social Security numbers associated with visitors to the White House in December of 2020. Now, who in their right mind in this administration, in this committee, who in their right mind would think that those Social Security numbers would not put the holders of those numbers in jeopardy? Do you think it was accidental? Come on now. Listen, here's the thought process. They knew. Who were these people that went to the White House in 2020? Well, who was president in 2020? It wasn't Joe Biden. It was Donald Trump. Well, who would dare visit the White House during the Trump administration? A bunch of eagle, evil MAGA idiots. And so we've got their social security numbers. So what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? You know, the conversations, I know, I guarantee you, they were held before those documents were released to the January 6th committee. But this White House knew. This leadership in the Republican Party, excuse me, in the Democrat Party in the House, they knew. They released them and said, let's just watch them jump. That leak included Nome, her husband, three kids, son-in-law, according to the White House logs, visited Trump on December 14th of 2020. Now the governor's legal team has issued a letter demanding more info about how the breach occurred. The National Archives produced these visitor logs, which then become They became exhibits during the January 6th committee hearing. Prior to being published as exhibits, the law required that protected personal information be redacted from the visitor logs. But that wasn't done. Her legal team wrote in a letter to the government publishing office, the National Archives and Records Administration, and to the chair of the January 6th special committee. The letter also argues publishing this info is a violation of the Privacy Act of 74, left open the possibility of further action. They attached a January 13th deadline for a response from the addressed parties. Now here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lawsuit involved again. And it's going to be against this administration for wrongdoing. And what will they do? There'll be some kind of settlement. And the Democrats that were operating that sham committee, those hearings that they had, they knew what they were doing. Don't think for a second they didn't know. (laughs) It was purposeful. You don't have to be right if you're a Democrat. If you want to say something, do something, send something, reveal something, it doesn't matter who it is and what the information is. If you want to do it, it's okay. After all, President Biden is a Democrat, so anything goes. Did you hear about 
our Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal down in New Orleans. Boy, they are busy hearing appeals specifically on stuff that's dropped or it's it's uh, it's ruled illegal if it's a Republican cause that has filed the initial lawsuit that ends up at the Supreme Court, as, excuse me, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Friday, Fifth Circuit struck down the BATF's bump stock ban. Bunks stock ban. That's that piece that hooks on to an AR-15 and supposedly, according to the left and lawsuits filed, it turns it into a machine gun. (laughs) A machine gun. I've got a bump stock. Just saying. I've never used it, but I've got it. Don't know that I'll ever use it. Why do you have it, Dan? I'll tell you why. You remember when all that came out during the Trump Trump years, the very early years? Former, uh, oh, I just went blank. Jeff Sessions, you remember? He was a former senator from Alabama. He was Trump's first attorney general. This was going on when he was there. The ATF's finalized ban language on December 18th of 2018, at which time the ATF was giving bump stock owners 90 days to hand the firearm accessories over. After 90 days, if you had one, you're committing a crime. So a copy of the DOJ summary of the ban at the time. Let me read it to you. The Department of Justice is amending the regulations of the BATATF to clarify that bump stock type devices, meaning bump fire stocks, slide fire devices, and devices with certain similar characteristics are machine guns, as defined by the National Firearms Act of 1934 and the Gun Control Act of 1968 because these devices allow a shooter of a semi-automatic firearm to initiate a continuous firing cycle with a single pull of the trigger. On January 6th, the Fifth Circuit handed down a 13-3 decision against that bump stock ban. Judge Jennifer Walker Elrod wrote the majority opinion, noting a focused push to ban bump stocks following the October 1st, 2017 Las Vegas attacks. Bump stocks were used on some of the numerous firearms possessed by the Las Vegas Vegas attacker. Here's what she wrote. Public pressure to ban bump stocks was tremendous. Multiple bills to that effect were introduced in both houses of Congress, But before they could be considered in earnest, ATF published the regulation at issue here, short-circuiting the legislative process. Appellant Michael Cargill surrendered several bump stocks to the government following publication of the regulation at issue. He now challenges the legality of that regulation, arguing that a bump stock does not fall within the definition of machine gun as set forth in federal law and thus that ATF lacked the authority 
to issue a regulation purporting to define the term as such. Elrod continued, this is Justice Elrod, Cargill is correct, a plain reading of the statutory language paired with the close consideration of the mechanics of a semi-automatic firearm reveals that a bump stock is excluded from the technical definition of machine gun set forth in the Gun Control Act and National Firearms Act. Now, their opinion, that of the Fifth Circuit, can be appealed to the Supreme Court. At this time, no indication has been given as to whether or not an appeal will be filed. And just so you know, they knew, they knew this would eventually be overturned by a court, and it wouldn't stand. But it's just like Biden said, a bunch of things that he put out that is executive orders, he was told, Mr. President, don't you know this will be overturned? Somebody's going to file a lawsuit against you, and it's not going to pass because the Supreme Court will overturn it. And he said, and the same thing he said applies here. Yeah, I know it'll be overturned, but it's going to take them a couple of years or whatever to get it done. So we'll just, we'll just have the benefit of it temporarily causing the actions to be taken that we want that are included in it. And maybe they won't overturn it, but if they do, we'll have already got a lot of it done. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring 649 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just 649. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Boy, this day's started off really fast and it's going faster. We've run out of time. Just a reminder, looking ahead, 
Last week in February, TNN Live goes on the road 10 days. We will be in Israel. We will be doing the show live in some cases, and uh, the time difference is going to affect that, as you can imagine. But we will have people on the ground that we're interviewing and let you know this, that one of the people it looks like we will be able to interview is Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Wow. That'll be a lot of fun, won't it? Let's go. Until then, we got a lot of stuff for you. We didn't even get through some of the good stuff today. Have a great one. Don't want you for the weekend. Don't want you for a night. I'm only interested if I can help you for life. Yeah. I know I sound serious. Baby, I am. You're a fine piece of real estate and I'm gonna get me some
get your good.